Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining our She Rises Studios podcast. My name is Hannah Olivas. I am going to be your podcast host for today, and I am joined by one of the most incredible humans I have ever met. Her name is Dr. Sarah Allen, and she is a pediatric neuropsychologist. But that is not all she is. She is a mama of two, a bonus mama of two, and just an incredible woman. She's a best-selling author. She is the CEO and founder of Behavioral Bridge. She is the creator of Raising Brains, the movement. And if you haven't read the book, it's called Raising Brains. And we're going to talk all about this today. So welcome, Miss Sarah, Dr. Sarah. Um, thank you for joining me today. How are yeah, you? Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We, I've been looking forward to this for a while and I get to talk to you a lot, which is incredible, but I really want people to hear you and understand what Raising Brains is and why it's so important, how you are paving the way for us newbie parents, us seasoned parents, and people who want to become parents. Tell us a little bit about who you are. More from your version, obviously not from my intro. I just really want people to hear you. <laughs> of course, of course. And I love that you fall into so many categories because I think that's kind of where we started with Raising Brains is that people aren't just one thing. They don't just fall in one category. We as moms don't fall in one category and our kids don't fall in one category. And so after studying the brain for, I don't know, 15 plus years, um, that number's probably higher now, um, I just realized that there's a gap between the science and the actuality of doing this, the reality of doing this. And so I got really interested in that translation from science to practice. And I've been interested in that my whole career, but as soon as the pandemic hit, it really gave me this time to sit and think. Because as a pediatric neuropsychologist, I do a lot of work in schools, um, a lot of work with helping people understand kids' brains and then learn how to educate them and how to raise them. And that's what I've always done. Um, but when the schools shut down for a while, you know, I was left there with my own uh, brain. And as my partner, Kev, will tell you, my hobby is thinking. And so when I have nothing to think about like that, things just start brewing. Um, and that's where really this Raising Brains movement uh, started from. You know, it's always been a concept I've, I've done, but I realized how different it was and how it colored my approach to kids and how the kids that I was seeing were improving at a different rate than other kids. And it was even my mother that said to me, people don't think like this. You have mm -hmm. to tell people about this. Um, and so that's kind of where I started writing the book and speaking more about what the difference is when you start to see your kids like little brains instead of seeing them like kids. Uh, and even in my personal life, you know, I'm a divorced uh, woman with in a relationship. So like you said, I have two kids and then two bonus kiddos. And, you know, Kevin, I have a relationship also. And so there's our relationship. There's my relationships with his kids, his relationship with my kids, our relationships with our kids. And I could keep going and going and going. Um, and there isn't a book that says, okay, so if your um, household looks like this and then you have co-parents over here, or you have a kid that's like this, or this kid needs that, how do you how do you address it? There's no one book you can pull off the shelf. And so what I wanted to do was help parents think about their kids, teach them how to think about their kids so that they could feel comfortable and confident and start to build up 
um, their ability to raise kids because no one gives you that manual when you get uh, when you have a kid, they just send you home. So we wanted to give people something that they could really use and uh, learn easily and quickly so you could start reshaping the way you're thinking so that when these things come up, you have your own kind of parent manual to pull from. You know, it's funny you say like there is no manual. There really isn't. You know, um, I feel like for me as a parent, I suffer sometimes from mom guilt or am I doing this right? Um, luckily I have you who I, can, <laughs> um, and I, and you know, I can do a temperature check with you and say, Hey, you know, is this, is this right? Is this wrong? And we, we've had these conversations. So when you were first, first of all, what even made you decide to become a neuropsychologist? Because that in itself is a huge decision in life to make. So well, that it's uh, that's really interesting. And actually, I want to comment real quick about what you just said, which is that you check in with me because I call that the dream team. Okay. Um, we are all, you're a part of my dream team as much as I'm a part of your dream team. You know, the idea is to, this is hard, you know, and so you yeah. do need to talk things out. You do need to use the supports of the of professionals in your life, but also your friends and the other people who are raising your kids too, coaches, teachers, mm -hmm. um, even just, you know, good family, friends, family, you know, those yeah. are all people that are part of your dream team. So we all need that. But in terms of what got me started with uh, neuropsychology, I think it's a lot about just following the path. You know, when I was in an undergrad program, we did kind of a co-op, a work and um, go to school concept. And my very first co-op was in a place called uh, Drucker Brain Injury Center in Moss Rehab. And they were doing such phenomenal work with adults uh, helping to rehab the brain after brain injury. And I was just so fast. I've always been fascinated by what makes people, what people think and how they feel. Um, but to watch when you have an injury and then starting to build back the recovery of the brain um, was really, really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. And then right from there, I went into a peds rehab um, at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and just saw the, the incredible um, work you could do with kids because kids' brains are so much more adaptive. They're growing, but it's also another layer of complication when it comes to rehabbing the brain. So I really worked a lot in brain injury rehab for a while. And then as I got older, I started realizing, well, wait a minute, could we do this even before the brain was injured? What about the ways brains develop in general and how do we work with them. And so I got really interested. I was in an outpatient neurology clinic and I got to work with lots of different kinds of doctors and people. Um, and I realized as I'm watching kids grow, there's there's so much more to this. Um, and I started working in a school because what's interesting is in rehab and adults, you go back to work, but mm -hmm. in kids, you're always back to school. And I just realized that the schools were not medical professionals. There, was, there weren't people there that really understood brain injury recovery. And so I started going back into schools and, you know, long story short, the school was just such an incredible way to be able to help to shape young brains and get them on the path towards being successful and happy and connected. Um, that that's kind of where my heart landed. And I worked in a school for kids with Asperger's, autism, learning disabilities, anxiety, um, and then eventually just started doing that for all kids and, and consulting for all school programs because there's such a neat way of being able to shape a kid's brain like that. And then, as I said, in the pandemic, realizing having my own kids um, and having some tough times in my own life, you know, you start mm -hmm. to think about what is actually important and what do we want to, what's our goal with our kids and how do we shape their brains um, and kind of came full circle into to what I'm doing now. 
So you um, have been very transparent with your journey as a mama. You were open and raw in your book um, about loss. You were open and, and raw about your sister. And what, what we can talk a little bit about each one. But I, I was aligned with you because of the vulnerability that you share inside this book. And when we talk about, you know, there not being a manual for parents and us always wondering, are we doing the right thing? I really, after reading the book and just speaking with you and getting to know you, really, you have confirmed that that is truth, that being a parent is not easy. Um, it's, it's joyous, but it's also, you know, hard and you we're, it's like we're going through this journey, um, an ever-ending journey, because it's never-ending. We don't stop worrying about our kids once they turn 18. I'm still the mom who leaves my phone on because, you know, a lot of my kids are grown and out of the house. I'm like, what if something happens? I need to have my phone on so I can hear it ring. So you, you've created this Raising Brains movement for, I feel, um, how I align with it is... It's like a, um, a life jacket. <laughs> That's how I feel like you're, you're creating this safe space for the parents, but also for the kids, because everything that you talk about, everything that you've written about, everything that you share, you're actually practicing yourself and you're actually doing it with your kids. So that's, that's an, an incredible oh. My mother will say to me, what would Dr. Sarah say at this point? <laughs> because some of this is, you know, I am living it. I am doing it. And it is hard. And especially when it's your own kids, you know, it makes it even harder, which is why I said you need that dream team. So even the stuff that I've written, I need parroted back to me sometimes to make sure that I'm really doing what I want to do. And I think that that's what's so important is to, to mindfully be a parent, right? To think about how you want to raise your kids. You know, you, you mentioned some of the things that have happened in my life. And I think, you know, even growing up, and I don't even think I wrote about this in the book, but, you know, when I was probably uh, maybe 16, 17, my mom was diagnosed with um, colorectal cancer, um, maybe a little bit later, actually, now I think about it. But um, we, and that was the first time in my life that, you know, something bad happens, you know, it's like you really bad, you know, and, and something that could have been really worse. And actually, interestingly, I remember I had a cyst at the time. Um, and so we were flying across the country because my aunt is a, an OBGYN surgeon. And so of course we have to have her look at it. And so she was doing her thing for me. But at the same time, my mom was meeting with cancer docs about this colorectal cancer. And I don't even think I realized that that was in a, a, a higher stage. That was a bigger issue than mm -hmm. I even knew about at the time. And I remember having to leave the office because I had all these emotions about it and I didn't even know what to do with them. I didn't know why I was upset. I didn't know how to connect any of those, those pieces. I didn't know if I was upset about what was going on with me or with her or with the inevitability of something that could happen. I, I had no idea. Um, and then, you know, she went through, um, cancer treatments for a bit and lost her hair and chemo and everything. And um, we just kind of moved on. We never really dealt with it. I didn't even realize how much she was going through at that particular time. Um, and that was just the start of those things. And then, you know, it was very quickly, um, 
she was better and then got breast cancer. And then my sister had breast cancer. And right in between that, I lost kids, right? So as I was trying to get pregnant um, or trying to have children, I was pregnant and about 24 weeks, 23, 24 weeks went into labor. Didn't even know what that was because I was just, this is what you do. You get married, you have kids, you know, you keep working and then you're supposed to take off work and then you're supposed to have six to eight weeks and then you're supposed to go back. Um, but for me, one morning, it was all of a sudden I was in the hospital and all of a sudden I was leaving. I delivered a child that lived about an hour and I didn't even understand what that was. I was 23 at the time, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you leave and they, you know, you go to leave and you're leaving. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. Let's, you don't feel like life is supposed to be that way. Um, and it, it was just the start of realizing, wow, things, you know, I'm going this way. And all of a sudden something took me this other direction. Um, and I even remember we had, um, ordered the baby furniture already. So I remember the day it got delivered and I'm sitting in my bedroom, sobbing on the floor as the guys are happily delivering this baby furniture that came, you know, almost a month after all of this had happened. And, you know, my mom sat with me at the table every day after the gym, she has to go to the gym first, but every day (laughs) she sat with me, um, and we cried and we drank, uh, pomegranate tea and, uh, just kind of like worked through all of those emotions. And so, you know, after that, after losing the next twins and in the similar manner, and then my sister, um, dying of breast cancer, um, you know, just when, and then the world shutting down, getting divorced, moving to a new town, world shuts down, all of those things kind of built up to really start to think about why are we doing this and what is life about? And, you know, so my version of gallivanting all over the world to get some again is to say, wait a minute, no, what we want to do is raise this next generation to have some of these skills so they can work through these emotions and they can use them to, for good. They can use them to help to drive them to what's interesting to them, to what they they want to do and away from the things they don't want to do instead of letting those emotions drive their behavior for them, they get to make a logical decision about what they want to do. So let's talk about that for a second. So your philosophy and what you talk about a lot throughout the book and just in general, you say mindful meddling. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by mindful meddling? Great question. So I really wanted this concept of mindful meddling in the book because um, we, I'm a meddler by nature, you know, just like many moms are, you want what's best for your kids. You want what's best for the people around you. You want to help them. You want to make their lives better. And these are all well and good. But when you're coming from a raising brains perspective, when you're following that model, you want to teach their brains how to do. So we're not saving them from all bad things. We're not doing everything for them. You know, if they need, if they don't know how to get their homework into school, we're not saying, let me call a teacher and figure out what homework you have. We're trying to figure out, okay, how do I help this brain figure that answer out to that question so they can become independent and they can build skills. So like I said, with homework for something like that, what we want to do is say, okay, how do we figure that out? How would you get in touch with your teacher? What would that look like? And we're asking these questions and helping them to guide it. And your kids won't like it sometimes. Uh, My kids don't like it sometimes, but they will learn how to become more independent. Um, And I think that that's what's really important. Even like fighting with friends, um, instead of calling the moms and figuring it out, you know, Mm -hmm. to start talking them through and start to build their social skills and their problem-solving skills um, versus, again, 
swooping in and saving and trying to fix. That's not a mindful meddling approach. That's just a meddling approach. So we want to be involved in our kids' lives. We want to be there to support them, but we're we're there to support raising their brains, um, not to fix things and make them dependent on us because then we're not doing our job. Wow. So do you feel, because you, you know, like as we were talking about a second ago, um, the things that you went through, the things that you experienced in your young adult life to, you know, the mature adult, you, you saw and went through a lot and, you know, and none of those are easy to go through, but I feel like it made you this incredibly strong willed warrior fighter. Um, and now you're teaching those skills to your kids and, and parents everywhere, to me, to, to, to many people who have had um, the pleasure of, of getting to know you and, and hearing you. So with that said, when you're talking about the mindful meddling, it's because you've done it because you do it. It's, it's a, it's something that you've created that you've tried. It works. And so now you're passing and paying it forward to us who, who need to understand what mindful meddling is. Then you're talking about, and I, and I, I hear this right away. You, you made a light bulb go off. You're saying, you know, when a child has a conflict with another child and our instinct as a parent is who do I have to go and talk mm-hmm. to? Mm-hmm. You know, or um, whose parent, you know, like all these, we co- we want to come to their defense, but you're basically saying like, sometimes there's, that is meddling. That is, instead of the mindful side, you're saying, Hey, take a step back and, and try this approach, which how many parents really do say, you know what, I'm going to step back and I'm going to try it this way, like teaching our kids the social skills that you're talking about, you know, do you see that a lot? Do you see parents or do you see parents like me who are like, Oh, I'm going to the school. I'm talking to this parent. I'm going to their front door. Whose kid do I need to talk? You know? (laughs) Well, it's it's a range. And I think that that's, what's really exciting about the raising brains model. It's whatever type of person you are, you can fit this in. It's not about changing your personality completely. It's about finding what your style is, leaning mm-hmm. into that style and just continuing to work on improving yourself and your kid. That's that growth mindset approach we're kind of talking about, trying to figure out how to make it better. So I'm not saying don't defend your kid. We all want to defend our kid. We can tell them that's not okay. We don't like that. It's not appropriate. But the best defense is teaching their brains how to defend themselves. And so, yes, there are times where I will call the teacher and say, hey, just a heads up, I asked Carter to talk to you about something or, hey, you know, I've just mentioned this to Jules. I'm hoping she brings this up to you or could you bring it up to her so she has a chance to advocate for herself. Um, And so you can help to to mindfully meddle in that way, but I'm not going to do it for them because if I do it for them, they don't learn how to do it for themselves. And those reactions of wanting to go grab the other parent, that has to do with our emotions. So I talk about um, the brain and I'll just mention it quickly for people who aren't familiar with me, but you have a part of your brain called the amygdala. I call her Amy G because she's just so emotional. She's deep inside the brain. And then you have Franny, the frontal lobe. Um, and Franny's all about regulation and control. And so Franny content- consistently tries to chill out Amy G. I picture Amy G like a teenage, like puffer fish that anytime you get near, she puffs and goes all crazy. Um, so she, that's her job, her job. And every preteen teen's job is to go a little crazy like that because we want they they're all emotion right there's no mm-hmm. regulation 
and Franny is supposed to chill it out. So when we want to go run, run over to the neighbor and yell about something, that's our Amy G. But when we start to think about the raising brains model and being mindfully meddling, mindfully meddling, we can then say, okay, well, I might still be angry about this. I might even talk to the neighbor about this, but I'm going to talk to my child about the best way to handle these things. And also to kind of think about, because our kids aren't always right, you know, mm -hmm. so sometimes they may have perceived something a little bit differently. So why do you think they did that? You know, do you think they were intending to hurt your feelings? You know, were they upset about something else? Were their Amy G's going crazy? Mm -hmm. That kind of a discussion is what opens up and builds skills. Otherwise, what we're doing is just managing behavior. So we're just stopping those two from interacting, but we're not teaching them how to interact. And if we don't teach them how to interact or how to work together, then again, we're not building up their brains. We're not helping to raise their brains. We are just keeping them where they are in terms of their skill level. It's a very different approach. We we use the the Amy G and Franny quite a bit around here now. Um, you know, and I can ask my Sophia, is today Amy G? you know, is today, and, and she really knows what it is. I, I've, I've explained it to her. And so kids know because she's only nine. So if we're talking to our kids mindfully, they understand it. They know it's communication. Um, I love what you talk about when you say what applies to your child applies to you too. Yes. Yes. We just yes. talked about growth mindset. I think that's that setup of the household, right? So you just mentioned your kids really take to Amy G and Franny, right? So mm -hmm. it takes to Amy G and Franny. And we need to do that too, because we want our Franny running the show. We don't want our Amy G's running the show, but our Amy G's will. There is a lot happening. Things happen in life. Amy G is a big part of that. Our emotions are good. They tell us what to go towards and what to come away from. But their, their strength of them is also what can be difficult to regulate. When we feel really strongly about something, that tells us something. But we mm -hmm. just have to learn how to harness that. So we're in this constant pattern of trying to listen to Amy G, but not let her, let, Franny's not letting her get too out of hand. And that's a normal, natural pattern. And for the things that we care about, like our children, you know, like hopefully our jobs or our relationships, Amy G is going to be really strong. And right. so that is a good thing or we wouldn't be connected to people, but we just want to work. We want to pay attention to Amy G enough to be able to work through those, those pieces. And that's a process. It's a continual process. So what we want to do is start for ourselves because our kids watch everything we do. They're going to model us. And so what we need to do is set up the household in this kind of growth, what we call growth mindset um, concept. So looking mm -hmm. at where we're really good, you know, I like glow and grow charts. So where are you really good? Where are you glowing? And where do you need to grow? You know, what pieces do you need to work on? And even if you don't, you're not, so some people will make these charts and they're gorgeous and they're color coded. My best friend, Amy, would totally have everything perfectly laid out with a marker and everything. I am not that kind of person. I do this mostly in my head, or maybe I'll write it like once a quarter or even once a year down just to see. But my phrasing is always, you know, what are we working on? Where are we going to grow today? I think I did really well with this. I'm starting to talk those things out loud. I'm teaching myself how to understand my strengths and my weaknesses. And that when something happens that I feel like is a failure, that it's not a failure, it's a point of growth. And it's mm -hmm. something I need to learn from. And when you start doing that with yourself, then you start doing that naturally with your children and they start naturally picking up 
on that pattern. So the idea is to be open and can, and verbalize where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, what you liked about what happened, what you didn't like about what happened, and then start to talk to your kids. Hey, what's everybody working on? We've got this team that we we're all on, we're all working together. You know, I want to work on um, uh, ending work at five so I can spend more time with you guys. That's my big goal. What's your big goal? I want to help around the house more. You'll be surprised. Some kids will actually start to say that when you get these um, kinds of models down. Or maybe I want to be a better friend. Um, or you know what? I actually feel like I'm not getting um, my homework done in a timely fashion. I want to be able to get my homework done so I can enjoy the rest of my night. Everybody's working on that kindness. You know, one of my kids, we have a kindness goal. Um, another one um, to try to do things on his own. You know, so for him, he will always ask for help. And I said, you know, I really would love for us to work on this this month. You know, you trying things and only asking for help when you need them. And I'll explain because it gets very frustrating when you when I'm doing a lot and you are constantly asking for things that I know your little brain can do. And in my case, I actually say little brain, but in your case, you might say that you can do yeah. <laughs> and you build up. And that's that growth mindset approach that really helps to promote growth in yourself that naturally starts to bleed down for your kids. And it is true, like what our children see is who, who they try to become sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're this parent who, you know, constantly is having what I call WTF moments, mm -hmm. um, and they're seeing us losing that control, then we're, we're kind of doing a disservice, right? Because mm -hmm. they're seeing our reaction. They're like, well, mom and dad react that way. So maybe that's the right way to react. So all right. these things that you're talking about and all these things that you're sharing is inside this incredible movement that you've created. Raising yeah, we just talked about this on a podcast, you know, you will lose it. That yes. isn't a failure as a parent. That is a teachable moment for your kids. So on the podcast, we just talked about uh, kept getting kicked out of a hockey game, a kid's hockey game. And we talked about how Amy G won. Amy G totally won in that particular scenario and the ways that we went about using that as a teachable moment for the kids to say, sometimes this happens, you know, I liked that I did this part. I liked that I walked away, but I, I didn't like that I got to get to here. And I'm sorry that I left the game early and here's what yeah. I'm going to try to do differently. But that normalizes that for your kids because they're going to lose it. So when it happens to them, then they can go back and say, sorry that I acted that way. I think my Amy G was getting, and they'll start to say this to you. I think my Amy G is getting a little bit out of hand. I think I just need to, I need to get some sleep. I think I need, I think I'm really worried about this thing in school that's causing my Amy G to kind of build up. Can we talk a little bit about this? And next time I think I'll just ask you to talk about it versus yelling at you, you know, and then all of a sudden you have a totally different conversation. I love it. You know, I, I learned something from you every time we talk and we've covered so much material and literally we are, you know, 25 minutes into, <laughs> into this segment and there's so much more to go over, but I really wanted our listeners and audience to really just hear who you are and hear it from the expert, but also not just as the expert, but as an actual parent who goes through this, that's what's so relatable is that you're just so transparent and that we need so we need that. So you doing, you doing what you're doing, writing, sharing, creating this movement, you're opening up doors and avenues for us parents to, to understand and know that, like you said, we're going to, we're going to lose it where there is no real manual, 
but we have this, this guide, this team, you know, the dream team. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that is, is full circle. So I, I'm, I'm so grateful for what you have done and what you're doing and what's to come. And on that note, tell us, I, I want the audience to know, first of all, everyone needs to go to her Instagram so you can share how to, how to get there. But everything that you just talked about is, is there. You have, you have an incredible um, way of conveying your message. And so I definitely want people to check your, your social media out, your, your website, the book, of course, but talk to us about your podcast. Yeah. You know, I, I, what you said is really important. You know, we're, I'm just here to be a part of your dream team. You know, people give back as much to me as I do to them. And that vulnerability has been difficult at times. Um, but we're sharing this information because we want to hear back from you too. You know, tell us, does it resonate with you? Does it not? Um, what else can we, can we give to be helpful or what have you found helpful? Maybe you can help another mom who's listening to the podcast too. Um, and so that's kind of why we did it. So we started a podcast called what's happening here. Um, and it's available on Spreaker, on Apple, basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, and the idea was really to normalize some things for parents to say like, Hey, listen, you know, we've, I'm, I'm a professional done this for years. Um, but you, it's still hard. Um, and you know, Kev can also attest to that as well, being in a relationship with a pediatric neuropsychologist, I'm sure it's not the easiest also. And so, you know, we go back and forth. Luckily he's a big, uh, a thinker and analyzer too. And so the conversations come from two very different perspectives, but we tend to land in interesting spots and, um, it's just our version of the discussion. And so we invite you in to kind of our Wednesday night um, conversations around the fire with our bourbon. Um, and you can listen in on what we chat about and leave some comments or um, direct message me. We've had people reach out over Messenger or email me and let us know, you know, what it's like for your family, because I think it's really important to continue this conversation um, because there are no shoulds in parenting anymore. Throw that out the window. As soon as the pandemic hit, everyone just tried to hold their breath and stay above water. You know, here I'm telling you, if you're listening to this and wondering if you're a good parent, if you're asking that, you're a good parent because you're asking for that. You're constantly seeking to be good and be better. That's what makes you good. Not being perfect. Perfection's actually bad. That teaches our kids that there's no failure and that's not good. So, you know, work, we're, we're working on it. That's the whole point. Um, and so I would just encourage you to do that. So we have the, the podcast for that. And you mentioned our Instagram. I do these little trainings on Instagram uh, every Friday. They're little tips on Friday. And that's at drdr.sarahllen, S-A-R-A-H-L-A-L-L-E-N. Um, and that's a great time to hop on live with us, 2.30 Eastern. Um, and ask any questions that you want because we are always uh, there for answering them. But I also give some tips. And then, of course, we have a Brain Behavior Bridge Facebook page um, where we go live on Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we do more of a discussion on those um, talking a little like we just did emotion control and management and we'll do some other things. And any questions you have there, too, you're welcome to pop in. And then we have a private um, mom group. So mybraingal.com will take you to that private Facebook group where it just gives a little bit more of an intimate setting to get some um, conversations going with other moms and and things like that too, because we want you to have that community to do that with too. 
And then most recently, I guess, I don't know if we're talking about projects, but I have one that I'm really, really excited about. Um, and this is for those newer moms. So, you know, you talked about all different categories of moms. And I think one of the things as a new mom um, that was overwhelming to me originally was what, how do I, what am I doing? Well, how do I raise yeah. this kid? Not <laughs> After the feeding and eating and sleeping, then what, right? They start talking and I don't know what to do. Um, so we just created an awesome new mom box with a little course about mom guilt, You like you mentioned earlier, about mm -hmm. parent styles, because there actually are parenting styles. Um, and the way you grew up, whatever your parent style was, has definitely influenced you. Um, that doesn't mean you have to follow the same one, but you have to know where you came from so you know where you want to go. Um, and a bit about raising brains too. So we have a little course and a little gift backs. So if you're looking for something to give your new mom, um, we're hoping that that's another fun option. You know, you have your strollers and um, and all of the fun baby things, but we wanted to give another thing that you could give that will help uh, as the kids grow yeah. as well. So, the tools, know, the actual fun. tools. <laughs> exactly. I love it. I, 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 I'm so excited, um, you know, and we have three more. We're doing a four week series with Dr. Sarah. And we've, you've covered so much um, and we'll make sure everything that you just shared, we're going to put in the show notes so that people can find you. And um, I've had the privilege of seeing the new mommy um, box and it's, it's, in, it's incredible. I had I'm the privilege so of doing it. this. <laughs> it's such a fun project to be able to help a, you know, a new mom, you know, seasoned moms are fun to work with also, but to, to be able to get them you know, early on and help them start to think about raising the next generation. I know it sounds silly, but I'm so passionate about having people understand that the next generation needs to have these skills so that they yeah. will be able to cope and adapt and be happy and connected, you know? Definitely. I'm excited for any new mom that gets it. You're in for a real treat. With that said, let's end today's session with, um, you know, make sure everyone who's listening, watching, check her out. Um, we'll share the the notes on how to find you. Um, stay tuned because we have three more to go. We're going to cover some incredible stuff. And thank you so much, Dr. Sarah, for being with me today. I It's always an honor and pleasure. And I'm just so glad that we got to spend this time together. So thank you for all who listened, for coming in and taking some time out. And we will be back. Have a great day. Thank you all so much for joining another episode of She Rises Studios podcast. Please follow us online at She Rises Studios. You can also visit our website at www.sherisesstudios.com.